This is Derek Bros with the Conscious Resistance Network. Looking a little tired. Hope you're doing well tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about Jeffrey Epstein. Let me know if you can hear me okay. Some comments in the chat. I'll be looking out for. Let me know if you can hear me. Coming through just fine. This is a little bit of a later video than I normally do, but I've just got back. You might notice my background's different or it's back to normal. I'm back in Mexico, so I'm able to do live streams again, which I haven't been doing for the last six months. I've been pre-recording videos. And tonight we're going to do a video, hopefully I can keep this under half an hour, talking about Jeffrey Epstein, talking about some of these new documents that have been released over the last week and uh, you know whether or not there's anything really big here. Because I know many of you probably didn't know Jeffrey Epstein back in 2017 or you know, when he, he was being investigated back in 2005, I definitely didn't. Most of us didn't. But I started investigating him in 2017. I actually went to Jeffrey Epstein's house in 2018. I released a documentary called Bringing Down Jeffrey Epstein in 2018. And uh, then, of course, the year later, he was, he was arrested. And so I've been following this for quite some time and studying the network behind Jeffrey Epstein. Also, uh, one of my colleagues, Whitney Webb, we've done interviews, plenty of interviews together covering this in depth. So we're going to go into all that. I got a bunch of tabs opened up. We're going to cover what I think is potentially new information, what's being rehashed. And I've got some questions I'm going to ask. So I appreciate you guys joining me tonight. First off, though, I want to remind you guys to bookmark my website, theconsciousresistance.com. Right now, I'm currently live on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Rockfin, Odyssey, and I think that's it. So you're following me through social media. I encourage you to bookmark my website, theconsciousresistance.com. Especially if you're following me on Instagram, guys, you miss a lot of stuff because I just don't really post pictures and I don't constantly reproduce my content specifically for Instagram. Sorry. But I am streaming there now. And so I encourage you to keep up with my website, theconsciousresistance.com, for all of my content as well as our other contributors. You can see this article, How Can We Trust the Science When Medical Journals Are Compromised? Um, that's from one of our recent contributors. We've got a lot of content here, documentaries, books, articles, podcasts, solutions-focused investigations. You can find all of my work broken down by topic, investigations, documentaries, books, presentations, and you can explore by topic, including, if you click right here, you see it says the Epstein Network, and that's what we're going to focus in on today because, as I mentioned, I started investigating Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, back in 2017. So... This is the page, and this will show you everything that I've produced on Jeffrey Epstein, and this is where you can find the show notes for this video after today. Um, so I'll make sure you guys can find all that, but just theconsciousresistance.com, again, is the main place to do it. So what we're going to do today is talk about these new document dumps. For those who don't know or haven't really been paying attention, uh, there have been in the last week some documents coming out of a court case. Now, this is an ongoing court case relating to one of the alleged victims, Virginia Gouffre, who's a long-term victim. She's been very public and known for years. And this was a lawsuit against uh, between her and Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell, of course, the now imprisoned uh, madam, partner, lover of Jeffrey Epstein, who was also involved in the abuse. And these documents come from that court case. So they've been kind of languishing in court for years as People have sued and countersued because a lot of people were named John Doe or Jane Doe. Their names weren't, their real names weren't listed, even though we've known some of the names uh, through other means, through other court cases. Because it's important to understand this, guys. We know for a fact that Jeffrey Epstein and the network were involved with abusing 40 to 100 plus women, for sure, uh, young girls. And 
not all those people have come forward, but between the, the work done by the lawyers and the attorneys, we can estimate that that's definitely that it was in the higher numbers like that. Right. So only a few victims, alleged victims. I say alleged only because this has never been taken to actual court. No, nobody was ever tried in criminal court. Of course, Epstein allegedly killed himself. Nobody believes that. Um, so we have the victim statements. They've sued in civil cases in many cases, uh, for example, with Prince Andrew, and they've gotten paid money um, for their, you know, for their abuse. But it, we haven't had anybody criminally charged involved in the Epstein network. That's why it's still so insane that this is what's going on. And these people are running loose all over, all over the world, really. This is a worldwide network. So, um, so these documents come from that. They come from one single alleged victim, Virginia Gouffre, and one single case of hers. She had cases against Prince uh, Andrew, uh, Dershowitz, Maxwell, of course, Epstein, and others. And that's just one alleged victim. So it's important for people to understand that. that that's kind of where we're going to start. I've been tweeting about this a lot lately. And some of my frustration, I guess, with in the independent media, and some of the lack of, I guess, just understanding, paying attention to. So I put, I tweeted this on the first day when the documents started coming out, January 3rd. It's important to remember, first of all, let's start here, that just because someone's name is in a calendar or a black book does not make them guilty of a crime. However, they should absolutely be questioned about their relationship or connection with Epstein. And I stand by that. Look, we shouldn't, you know, people are, I've noticed this over the years as I've been investigating uh, human trafficking and ritual abuse in Utah, the finders, Epstein, the Franklin scandal, and many other cases, that it's, it's like there's this, at least on the internet, there's some people who are really into the most salacious details, like tell me the dirtiest, craziest things about children and this thing happening. And even though you're repulsed by it, it's like you're entranced by it and you want to know like the most crazy things and, and the, you know, which famous people were involved or which politicians were involved. And, you know, that's not always what's important. And also just because somebody's name is listed or again, as I mentioned, uh, an alleged victim accuses somebody that doesn't mean they're guilty. Now, of course, we have to draw on conclusions. And that's kind of going to be one of my larger points here is that we don't really, these new document dumps, I'll, I'll tell you right at the beginning, there's really nothing new. Okay. This is my opinion based off researching Epstein for the last six, seven years. There's really nothing new in here, tiny bits of pieces. But for those who've been paying attention, all this stuff is really has been known. And I feel like mostly it's new to people who only woke up in the last couple of years, especially a lot of the Trump supporters, the kind of QAnon crowd, um, others that I guess just weren't aware of some of these details. But I, So that's kind of my analysis right off the bat if you just want to get straight to the point. I'm going to take my time getting through this, but if you wanted to get the cliff notes, uh, that's, the, that's what I think. There's really nothing new here. And we should question people involved in here, but we ultimately don't know whether it's Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Prince Andrew. We, we're not going to find a videotape or, you know, that information is not going to come out. So those out there who think there's going to be you know, Epstein's, the videotapes, the recorded, because he did record the interactions with people coming to the island, coming to the various places, the New York mansion, and these young girls and young women in some cases. So where did those tapes go is the big question that everybody asks. And we know the FBI collected all these tapes. This was in my documentary, 2018, bringing down Jeffrey Epstein right here. You can find it at theconsciousresistance.com. I encourage you to watch that. It's under 30 minutes. And it, in everything in that documentary, everything that has come out in the last week of documents is already in my documentary. So just saying like there's not a whole lot of new stuff. Nonetheless, this is one of my other problems. So this is a tweet by Blair White, if you know who they are. Uh, this Trump has been cleared by the Epstein client list as a supporter. I'm happy about that. Okay. First of all, it's not a client list. That's, I already explained to you guys what it is. It's this one case from one alleged victim, 
one suit. It, it's not, and it didn't absolve Trump. There, for one, she was tweeting this after one day of sets of documents. We've actually had six different days, or I think eight at this point, different uh, document dumps that have come out. And I'll show you guys what that looks like in just a second. But I've seen a lot of hot takes like this. Trump is cleared. And, and even just using this terminology. So as I said, this wasn't a client Epstein client list. This was a release of one set of documents from one case involving one victim. You know, get it like facts still do matter. OK, here's another one. I said there's a lot of Epstein documents from the many court cases over the years. There's also Epstein's calendar and Epstein's black book. These are all different but overlapping information. Most of the names are already known. Don't expect anything new with these releases. I still feel pretty strongly about that. Now, maybe you guys say, OK, Derek, whatever. This is not an important point. To me, it is as somebody who is an independent journalist. And that means I hold myself accountable because, you know, I, I don't some people will tell me have told me throughout the. 10 plus years I've been doing this, you're not a real journalist. I hold myself to that standard. That means we have, we who see us ourselves as journalists, citizen journalists, whatever, content creators should hold ourselves to a certain level of credibility if we want to be reputable and actually care about the truth. So the facts do matter. And so when people are just kind of throwing these terms around, the Epstein client list is coming out, the Epstein, like that's not what this was at all. And uh, it's frustrating for those of us who actually care about truth. So I just wanted to start there with those couple of points in case anybody listening might have been using the wrong terminology or not quite understood what these documents are. It's not a client list. It's not really anything new. It, it's from one single case of one alleged victim, one civil suit. That's all it is. Uh, and then the other reason I started, I wanted to do this video is because I got invited on January 3rd, the first day to this four hour, 48 minute conversation on Twitter or X, if you want, I don't, I don't call it X spaces by Mario Nafal. I don't really know anything about Mario. I know he's got millions of followers or a 1 million followers. His team reached out to me, invited me to come speak. You can see 2.6 million people tuned into this conversation. It was pretty amazing. There was 23,000 people listening live and they invited me as well as Johnny Vedmore and some others to come discuss our research on Jeffrey Epstein, and it was really great. There was, it was, a, I think, a good moment for those of us in indie media who've been doing this for a while. Um, I will say most of the crowd is very Trump leaning, and that's fine. Do whatever you want, but I, I feel like they are kind of uh, there is a container. There, there's, there's definitely some censorship going on. Nobody censored me, but I've seen other people try to bring up points about Trump and get censored and taken off. And I've brought up things, and some other people tried to shout me down, um, and it's fine. I can take it. And they keep inviting me back. I was on that one, 2.6 million people tuned in. Then there was another one, the third Epstein drop, and I tuned. I was part of that one. Now, Rudy Giuliani was apparently on this. He was not on the call when I was on. As you can see, it was a six-hour call. I don't have the patience for that. I was on for a couple of hours, shared some different insights. And you can listen to these recordings. These are all on my, my Twitter account if you want to go look for them. I will link them after this video is over at theconsciousresistance.com. But Rudy Giuliani, former mayor of uh, New York and of course, New York City, and of course connected to the Trump's campaign came on afterwards. I haven't still listened to what he said, but when I woke up the next day and I was like, what the heck they brought him on? And then I joined the next call the next day or a couple days later, maybe I think there was another one between now and this. Uh, and I, I basically came back on and just said, Hey, before we go any further, you know, while there was a lapse in the conversation, I, I want to remind people for those who haven't watched James Corbett's 9-11 uh, Suspects series, everybody out there should watch it. Well, James has one on Rudy Giuliani showing how uh, as when he was the New York City mayor, he helped cover up the 9-11 lie. And I know a lot of people think he's this hero because of Trump or whatever the heck is going on. 
that guy's not somebody we should trust. But I was on this one as well. And then Alex Jones actually came on one as well on the sixth. I was on this one with the, a few other different independent media folks, Johnny Vedmore again. This one, 2.7 million people tuned in. It was a six-and-a-half-hour conversation. I wasn't on for the whole time, but I did come in there and make some different points. Overall, though, what I told Alex Jones and other people here is that, look, there's really nothing new that we haven't already known from other other areas. Like uh, Some of the, the major things that I think we should be focusing on that are only briefly mentioned in this is that we should be digging deeper into Leslie Wexner, who is the uh, one of the – formerly the owner of Victoria's Secret, also the Limited Group, which owned the Limited um, brand of stores and Victoria's Secret, the fashion show, everything like that. He was potentially Epstein's uh, lover. He gave Epstein his New York mansion for a dollar. There's a lot of, I've done plenty of research on this, this link right here. If you go to the Epstein page on the consciousresistance.com, you'll see all my work on Les Wexner. He was part of what was known as the mega group. And this is how they describe themselves. This is not Derek Rose's words. They describe themselves as a, a group of rich Jewish philanthropists who support causes related to Israel. And so they lobby in a lot of different ways. These are a very rich, powerful group of, of Jewish philanthropists that many people believe are connected to the Israeli Mossad. And there is some good evidence. So I, I've talked about that in the past. I think that's what we should be putting more attention to. This is another report I did from 2022. Ask more questions about the mega group. And this is when Ghislaine Maxwell was sentenced to 20 years. I said the mega group gets away because, yeah, okay, she's going to go do some time at Club Fed, but the bigger people behind her, we know, for example, her father, Robert Maxwell, was connected to the MI6, the British intelligence, as well as the Israeli intelligence. This has all been covered in the past. Again, like you can go back and find, as I said on the Twitter spaces, um, Seymour Hirsch wrote a book called The Samson Option back in 1991, I think. There's another book called Gideon Spies. Like people have known about the Maxwell family and the connection to intelligence for decades now. And Ghislaine Maxwell, it is believed, basically carried on her father's legacy. And then through Epstein, uh, working with Mossad and, and the CIA and probably other intelligence agencies, were able to do various operations, blackmailing people. And more than likely, all the politicians, I, it is my belief that Donald Trump, Clinton, Kevin Spacey, so many other people are under blackmail. And the thing is, when everybody's been, everybody's guilty of a crime, people say, well, if, if Trump was guilty of this, why? They would call him out because they, they'd come after him of everything. If they had the evidence, they would go after him. Unless all parties are guilty, then nobody, everybody agrees basically to a, a truce, a ceasefire. We're not going to say anything about that because, well, I have a relationship with that guy too. So I'll just keep it to myself. That is my belief. Uh, in the end, but we'll get more into that in a little bit. But I think there should be more focus on the mega group. The other big thing that I found, and this is only in the first set of the, the first days of documents. Let me go ahead actually real quick and uh, pull up the the court files just so that you can see what this looks like real quick. Okay, so we'll go over here. I got a lot of tabs three open over here, guys. So this is the on, I'm on court listener, Guilherme, uh, Gouffre versus Maxwell. This is in New York. So they started dumping all the documents. They've been all released now by this point. I think today was the final day, and they said they've finally been released. But you can see January 9th, this is a PDF to download, Attachment 1. This is 7 or 8 right here. And each of these PDFs might be 10 to 20 to hundreds of pages. And as you go down, you see this is a lot of documents. These have all been released just in the last week, January 5th. All these January 5th, January 5th, like, and I've downloaded all these just for safekeeping. I encourage everybody to do that themselves for just whatever in case things disappear. You can see they started releasing January 3rd, and it was this. So there's a lot of documents, hundreds, thousands of, of individual documents in here. I have not gone over every single one, um, but I have gone over most of them 
And as I said, you can it, it by this point it's clear that there's not going to be really anything major revelatory that hasn't been seen already in some other way. But one of the things I did find, and what I'm saying here is more people need to understand the role of the modeling agencies and the pageants in recruiting young girls for sexual abuse, for trafficking, uh, you know, all kinds of things. It, not, obviously, not everybody, but this is one of the methods. And more people need to be aware of Jean-Luc Burnell, who is listed in these documents many times, and I've been reporting on him for years. He was part of the Epstein Network, and he... He's based in France and, and Europe, and he's got the M squared mo M2 modeling agency. He also was working with Epstein, working with various people, Maxwell. They all knew each other. And this is one of the ways they would traffic young girls. And in fact, here's another interesting note. Jean-Luc Bernal would be arrested in 2019 shortly after Epstein. And guess what? Jean-Luc Bernal allegedly killed himself in prison too in, in Paris while he was waiting to go to court. Oh, what a dink! Both Epstein and Jean-Luc Bernal allegedly killed themselves before they could speak and, and talk about the bigger networks that they were a part of. So Sarah Callan was one of the co-conspirators who were allowed to go free as part of Epstein's 2005 sweetheart deal. And in this, you can see right here, this document, it says, question, Miss Kellen, would you agree with me that there was an agreement between Jeffrey Epstein, Ghislaine Maxwell, Jean-Luc Bernal, yourself, and Nadia Marcinkova to bring in girls from out of state that were underage? And she says, on the instruction of my lawyer, I must invoke the Fifth Amendment. So that Sarah Kellen, she's renamed herself a couple times, is one of the people who was helping Epstein and also may, probably was a victim herself. I want to make that clear. Some of the victims ended up recruiting more people and kind of becoming abusers and in, 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 in some ways but uh, so this is a really twisted situation but clearly you can see the mention of Jean-Luc Bernal there now here's another one here where they describe the situation a little bit more in depth let me share this with you right here it says they would get passports for young girls to work as mo to work as models he would bring young girls ranging from to ages as young as 12 to the United States for sexual purposes and farm them out to his friends, especially Epstein. Brunel would offer the girls modeling jobs. Many of the girls came from poor countries or impoverished backgrounds, and he lured them in with the promise of making good money. Epstein forced Jane Doe, number three, to observe Brunel and Maxwell engage in illegal sexual acts with dozens of underage girls. Epstein also forced Jane Doe, number three, to have sex with Brunel on numerous occasions at places including Epstein's mansion in West Palm Beach, Little St. James Island in the U.S. Virgin Islands, many including orgies that were comprised of other young girls, New York City, New Mexico, Paris, the south of France, and California. So again, these are from just the first set of documents. These are alleged victims making statements about things they claim to have witnessed and seen. And we're focusing now for the moment on Jean-Luc Bernal, who is one of the people. Because again, the reason I'm talking about Jean-Luc Bernal, I know some of you guys might want to say, well, yeah, Derek, but did you hear that Michael Jackson was mentioned in there? Or did you see that Stephen Hawking, something about an orgy? Look, there might be some truth to that and the truth should come out. But the famous people aren't the only people that matter. In fact, maybe the famous people and focusing on the famous people is a distraction from getting to the people who actually are deeper players who are more than just those who are being blackmailed or, you know, exploited. There's definitely, uh, you know, there's definitely more people, more important people that are part of this puzzle. Jean-Luc Bernal, the French connection. Uh, Les Wexner, and Les Wexner goes back to Ohio where the limited brand was founded. And if you go back and look at my research on the conscious resistance, Les Wexner was suspected of being connected to the 
in addition to the mega group, the Jewish philanthropist group, uh, the Ohio mafia in Cincinnati and elsewhere. I mean, there's really powerful people. And that's what this ultimately comes back to. I want to shout out to the great work of my colleague, Whitney Webb and her book, One Nation Under Blackmail, because what this all really comes back to, guys, is that organized crime, the mafias are still very much in control of of governments and infiltrated with governments and collaborating with them. This isn't just a, uh, you know, a couple of bad people or ran, you know, we have a pedophile problem in the world for one, for one thing, let me say that if you, and I have more work coming out on this, the pyramid of power series, I think it's going to be episode 15 is called the pedo class. And that's going to be about showing people that in religion and governments and celebrity culture and schools and all these areas where there's different forms of authority, unfortunately, there are people abusing children and they often infiltrate the very institutions that claim that they're going to go and protect the children and they put themselves in positions of power so they can take care, uh, they can take advantage of the situation. So we have a pedophile problem in this world. It is, this is true. And pedophiles who are not only that, some of these folks are also psychopathic and have no sympathy no empathy and are willing to do really crazy things and this goes deep if you if this is new to you i encourage you to go to my website check out my reporting on the utah ritual abuse case that is an ongoing you know epstein is something that's kind of this abuse was happening in the 2000s and 90s epstein's alleged to have been abusing people since the 70s 80s but you know this more recently like ongoing right now uh, the Utah ritual abuse case, the Utah County Sheriff's Office has been investigating what they called, in their own words, ritualized child sexual abuse of children. And they opened this investigation in May 2022. I've been one of the only people reporting on this. They've made two arrests in this case. I mean, that, that's I'm not going to diverge from Epstein, but I just want to say this is not just an isolated incident. I'll show you more in a moment about my work on the Finders case. This is much bigger than you might think and might realize. Um, so let's continue. Here's another document relating to Jean-Luc Bonnel. Uh, questions by Miss Menninger. You had sex with Jean-Luc Bonnel at many places. Is that, is that what you're saying? And the uh, answer, I was sent to Jean-Luc Bonnel at many places to have sex with him. When did Ghislaine Maxwell send you to a place to have sex with Jean-Luc Bonnel? And it kind of goes on from there. Let me see if I've got another one. Yeah, I already showed you guys that one. So my point is like this, this is there's there's other people that we're not really focused on. We're not talking about the Jean-Luc Brunels. We're not talking about the co-conspirators, right? Um, so I've made a few points here. This is not an Epstein client list. This is not leaked material. It's from one court case of one alleged victim. Uh, I think it's important that we get that right so that we share correct facts and we don't spread fake information and give the fact checkers out there reasons to try to ban people or shadow ban or throttle information any more than we already know that they do, right? Let's actually stick to the facts. We can beat them with the truth because we we have the truth on our side. We have truth. We have justice. We have the right principles. We know that people deserve to be free and that all people should be free of physical, emotional, spiritual, sexual abuse. And what's happening is wrong. And the fact is that there are people in power that have covered this up. Epstein was caught back in 2005. We know that Alex Acosta, Trump's former um, labor secretary, helped craft that sweetheart deal when he was a lawyer back in, in uh, Florida. We know that um, Barry, Barry Shriver, I can't remember the correct name, it's in my documentary, he was one of the assistant attorneys involved with the deal. Uh, we have the names, Mar uh, Maria Villafana, of the people who helped craft the sweetheart deal that helped Epstein get away and abuse further people. Why are those people not being held accountable? How come nobody's calling them in for questioning, subpoena? Like there's if we really wanted truth and justice and if the system cared about it, there's so many people that could be questioned and should be questioned. So while we 
acknowledge that people are innocent until proven guilty. Every single person who had an association with Epstein or took money from him or was involved in some way is absolutely fair game for questioning. This is why myself as a journalist, I go and confront people. You better believe if I could end up around a Kevin Spacey, an Epstein, excuse me, a Clinton or a Trump or any of the people, whether big or small, again, some of the names that we know less of, Sarah Kellen, Sarah Ransom, some of the co-conspirators, I would do my job as a journalist to ask them the questions because we should not be forced to be in a situation where we're just going to go about the rest of our lives kind of being aware that pedophiles have infiltrated most of the major institutions in our world. But, oh, well, let's just go watch a movie and go about our lives. Oh, well, let's just keep raising our families and having kids and acting like we're not bringing children into a world run by crooks and criminals and pedophiles. That's not enough for me. We need to actually get to the truth and we need to do it in the right way with facts with information, with knowledge, and sharing that. That's the whole point of social media. That's why I'm taking time out of my day to share this information with you. So let's get back to it. Let's continue. I've got a few more points I want to make. Now, one of the points I want to make here is that, unfortunately, some of my work has been being taken out of context, and this is not the first time it's happening. You might have seen me on Fox News in the last week or so, not me directly, but a report I did back in 2018. Here you can see my tweet. I say, Fox News, using my work without permission to spin the Trump is innocent story. Now I'm going to get into why I'm going to talk about this, how I think people are, um, you know, taking my word out, work out of context. Oh, excuse me, one minute. Let's let's put that aside. Just one moment. I, I got I got some more things to cover before we get to that. Hold that a second because I'm going to talk about Trump and I'm going to talk about how my interview with the the lead attorney Bradley Edwards has been used by Fox News. Now it's being used by a bunch of uh, big kind of right wing Trump supporting channels, and I think they're purposely taking it out of context, leaving context out. But before we get to that, one other thing on, on Jean-Luc Brunel. This is on our Odyssey channel on the Conscious Resistance. It's called American Girls in Paris. It was released in 1988, 1988, 1998, 2008, 2018. We're all, you know, this is 35 years later. It came out on 60 Minutes. This is on national TV in 1988. You know, again, he's the modeling scout, founder of the M2 modeling agency. He was known to be working with Epstein, and back in the 80s, 60 Minutes exposed him. Nothing was done about it, and so the abuse continued. And then in 2019, he gets arrested, and we're told, just like Epstein, he killed himself in prison. I don't know, guys. Doesn't add up to me. If you want to see all of my reporting on Jean-Luc Brunel, you can just go to theconsciousresistance.com, search Brunel, and Brunel, B-R-U-N-E-L, and you will find all of the stuff I've put out about him and the larger network. There's reports I've talked about how the co-conspirators have gotten away, the bigger picture. I've also wrote an article about a year ago for The Last American Vagabond. For those who don't know, I contribute weekly articles to The Last American Vagabond. Actually, this was December 2020, so it's been a while. Peter Nygaard, Jeffrey Epstein, and the Fashion to Sexual Assault pi Pipeline. For those who don't know, on screen, that weird-looking old guy on the left next to Bill Gates is Peter Nygaard. He was another creep who had a private island who was also abusing girls and was involved in the modeling agency. This is one of the many ways they bring people in. you got Les Wexner, the v Victoria's Secret. I'm just going to say it. Trump also was involved in the Miss Universe, uh, the Miss America, the pageant show. I, I, I'm not saying there's any hard evidence there, but there are stories, there are claims that have plagued Trump for decades. Um, you should look into that. I've done the research on it. I've talked about it. Um, and then obviously Peter Nygaard and others. So there is a fashion world, pageantry world to sexual assault pipeline, unfortunately. 
predators go in there and prey on these uh, young women. And I mean, that's kind of more known than most people understand, but that's also part of the larger network. That's why Jean-Luc Brunel was a modeling scout running this agency. So then they could filter those girls towards people like Epstein and others. Now on to what I was talking about regarding my, my interview and my work being taken out of context. What I'm showing here on screen, this tweet is a picture of Jesse Waters, who's a guy who works for Fox News. I never heard of him, but I had friends texting me and saying, hey, I just saw you on Fox News. And he tweeted about it. The second batch of Epstein documents just dropped and it doesn't look good for Bill Clinton. And I watched that report and about halfway through, he plays my interview. You see right here, it says the conscious resistance, 2018, Trump tried to help Epstein victims. That's me in 2018 in Florida, because like I told you guys, I've been following this case for a long time. I was going to one of the civil uh, civil hearing, civil court hearings, and I interviewed attorney Bradley Edwards, who's the lead attorney for many of the Epstein victims. And I asked him a few different questions about Trump. And in the interview, he does say that Trump... Uh, was one of the only people that offered to help that, you know, when he called, he answered the phone, he had information for him, and he offered to do whatever he could for him. Now, that is true. At the same time, people should note that means Trump didn't give information under oath. He didn't give a deposition, even though he was accused by some of the victims and named as being on the planes. Like, wouldn't you want to depose him and put him under the oath officially? And if so, shouldn't we be able to see those documents? But apparently, as far as we know, and according to Mr. Edwards, all that happened was he talked Trump on the phone and he took information and he thought it was good information. Okay, that's true, but that's not under oath. Trump could say whatever the heck he wants. And my point has been for so long is that by that time, when Edwards, a lawyer, is reaching out to people about Jeffrey Epstein, at that point, it's clear Epstein is going down. So if anybody was associated with Jeffrey Epstein and knew he was up to no good, as many people definitely appeared to. Even Trump had been quoted saying, oh, Jeffrey's a great guy. He, he's, he definitely uh, likes uh, women on the younger side. There were many people, and even you got Meghan McCain, the clip of her saying, oh, everybody knew this was going on. The point is, the people who were hanging out with Epstein, maybe not all of them knew what was going on, that's fair to say, but absolutely some people did. And Trump, whether you like it or not, is in many, there's videos of them together. There's pictures of them together. He was friends with Maxwell. Uh, they, you know, they, there's interviews where he's talking about him going back to the eighties. So my point is if there was something going on, uh, and Trump heard from a lawyer that Epstein was under investigation, of course, he's going to throw him under the bus. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a good guy or he has no involvement. I don't have any hard evidence of that, but I'm just trying to play devil's advocate because I feel like some of you guys out there are so willing to believe that Bill Clinton's up to no good, but then you're immediately like, oh my God, this guy has Trump derangement syndrome. If somebody suggests that Trump was possibly involved, which I think there's, you know, there's reasons to suspect so. Now, the other thing about this interview that people keep using that's out of context is I asked, uh, I asked Bradley Edwards about the claim that is often repeated by Trump supporters that uh, Trump threw Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago. And this is because that he found out that uh, he found out that Trump or that Epstein was uh, trying to abuse one of the members of the club's daughters. And so he said, you know what, you got to get out of here, Epstein, and kicked him out. Now, I asked Bradley Edwards about that. He told me he could, he heard the story, but he couldn't confirm it. So this is the lead attorney who's been investigating it for years, and he tells me he can't confirm that. I thought that was interesting. I think that's important to mention. Well, not only did Fox News use this interview, but you can see here's Newsweek. Let's do a Control-F, search for my name, bros. 
I guess it's cool the conscious resistance is getting recognized in some ways, but it's it's also they're taking my interview, I think, without the full context. They say in 2018, Bradley Edwards, an attorney who represented a number of those who claimed Epstein was involved in their abuse, spoke about the financier's relationship with Trump during an interview with Derek Bros at the Conscious Resistance Network, a self-styled independent media organization that claims to work to create a world where corporate and state power does not rule over the lives of free human beings. Hey, that's kind of cool they put that in there. But he just talks about how he says, this is the exact quote, the only thing I can say about President Trump is he's the only person who in 2009, so again, this is 2009, Trump was arrested, Epstein was arrested in 2005, the sweetheart deal happened in 2008. So he's already been arrested, did his sweetheart deal, you know, told he can go to county jail and get out 23 hours a day. And then after that, the investigations and the subpoenas start coming. And he says, so when I served a lot of subpoenas on a lot of people, or at least gave notice to some pretty connected people that I wanted to talk to them, he is the only person who picked up the phone and said, let's talk. I'll just give you, I'll give you as much time as you want. I'll tell you what you need to know. He said he was very helpful in the information he gave, and he gave no indication of whatsoever that he was involved in anything untoward whatsoever but had good information that checked out and that helped out and that we didn't have a deposition on him. Now this thing, it says this, this clip was posted by the conservative account called end wokeness, where as of the posting of this, it had four, they say 4 million views. Let's see. I, I bet it's even more now. And of course, nobody, they don't credit me at all, which is fine. Whatever it happens, it's the internet. It, it's annoying as a journalist. Um, I have some friends telling me I need to be telling these people they need to license my footage because I'm not getting paid for any of this. And of course, they're using the interview to try to promote that it means Trump is completely innocent. And I usually go here and comment and say, hey, you're taking my interview out of context. But nonetheless, it got 4.9 million views, right? So most people see that story. They're not seeing me saying, hey, guys, you're taking this out of context. So let's stop for a minute and, and evaluate the claim. Did Trump kick Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago. If you go to my website, you search Trump Mar-a-Lago, you can see that I actually covered this back in December 2018 with a video called Did Trump Ban Epstein from Mar-a-Lago? Then again in July 2019, Did Trump Ban Epstein from Mar-a-Lago number two, where I looked into the claims of where does this story come from? Who is the person that first started saying this? You know, there was uh, alleged, you know, that there was in the, um, the uh, membership book, you can see that Epstein was a member, and then all of a sudden he's not a member. That's true. Uh, and then there are people who said, oh, we talked to uh, an employee, and they said this. There's just It's kind of become this sort of you know, fantastic tale that nobody really knows where it came from. Well, I dug into it, right? And at the time, and as I'm going to say here again, I found out that one of the sources, or at least I think one of the major sources, is a man named James Patterson. You might know him as a fiction author. He's a very successful fiction author. He also happened to live in the area that both Trump and Epstein uh, lived, Mar-a-Lago, Palm Beach, that area, Epstein's there, James Patterson's there. And did you know that he wrote a book on it? It's called Filthy Rich. And this book, he wrote it with another journalist. They In this book, they claim, they make the claim that Trump kicked Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago. This is like the main place that I've been able to find this claim from. Did you also know, this is curious, James Patterson, fiction author who writes a book about Jeffrey Epstein, he says Jeffrey Epstein was his neighbor and he hated him. He's also pretty good friends with Bill Clinton who, as far as we know, appeared to take a lot of flights on Jeffrey Epstein's plane and visited the island and many people suspect was up to no good. Well, he's friends with James Patterson and him and James Patterson wrote a book and Bill Clinton and James Patterson went around the United States and did a U.S. book tour. So I don't know what all that means. For me, what it means is, can we trust James Patterson? 
Bill Clinton, I think, is probably implicated in some some crazy things. We're going to talk about that in just a moment uh, related to child abuse, related to Epstein and other things. Um, we'll probably never get hard evidence, but all signs point to something's going on there. And James Patterson's good friends with him. He also claims to hate Epstein. What if there's more going on here? What if Bill Clinton and his friend James Patterson are seeking to you know, do their job to try to go after Epstein, but also to put distance between themselves. Because the interesting thing I note about James Patterson's book, his book doesn't really focus on Bill Clinton at all. He talks about other things and other part of Epstein's network, but he doesn't really mention Bill Clinton. So I find that interesting that one of the major sources of this claim that Trump kicked Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago is this guy, James Patterson. Well, I decided to dig even more into this guy's recently as this Epstein's popping back up. And here's what I found. There's another book that claims uh, that makes this claim. It's called The Grifters Club. I downloaded it, and it was and it was uh, released a couple of years ago. And they claim in this book that they, on July 11, 2019, uh, that they interviewed a George Lombardi, and he was one of Epstein's friends. Uh, excuse me, one of Trump's friends, and he claimed that Trump kicked Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago relating to the attempted abuse of a member's daughter. So I looked into this George Lombardi. Stay with me on this rabbit hole, guys. We don't got too much left here, but I appreciate you being with me this evening, George. Uh, Guido Guido Lombardi, born in the 1950s, so nobody even really knows when he was born, is an American real estate investor who is an advisor to Donald Trump. He's credited with launching social media groups supporting Trump's candidacy in 2016, such as Latinos for Trump, though he was never officially part of the campaign. He's from Italy. He's a former director of the International Council for Economic Development. Um, he has received requests to meet with Trump from right-wing leaders, including French members of European Parliament, Marine Le Pen, now they say right-wing leaders, I'll let you guys, but Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, member of Austria's Freedom Party, and others. So he's he's tied to some you know powerful people in Europe, but political, he's kind of seen as like a... Um, like a political player, he can get you get people connected to other important people. And he's sort of played this role for Trump. And he is a member of Mar-a-Lago, or he was a member in the past. And so it's this book uh, that I just mentioned that that says that George Lombardi is another source for this claim. But again, who is George Lombardi? He is a real estate investor who's an advisor to Trump. Is it that hard to imagine that if Trump was involved, you know, if, if Trump was involved in some way that his friends wouldn't try to help him out by putting some distance. What seems more likely to me is that if the Trump did, as Trump kicked Epstein's story is true, for one, maybe Trump had nothing to do with it. Somebody made the decision and you know it's Trump's club, so he gets credited for it. The other thing is there's a lot of good reporting out there about a, a real estate deal gone bad between Trump and Epstein. It's more likely that it had to do with real estate because as we know, Trump already knew that Epstein liked young girls. So why would he all of a sudden get mad? Maybe he's like, hey, dude, you don't do that at the club. You keep that for the island or whatever. But it just doesn't make too much sense to me. So my point here is that the claims that Trump kicked Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago, there's no hard, strong foundational evidence. So I don't think that's a piece of evidence that you should try to put forward as a proof that Trump is is not guilty. I'm not saying he is guilty, but I'm just saying I don't think that you can really rest your case and say, Derek, look at this interview. For one, I recorded the interview. I know what Edwards said. He said Trump helped him, but he did Trump didn't do a deposition. He didn't testify under oath or anything like that. And then the two people that we know who are claiming that Trump kicked Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago are people one that is connected to Bill Clinton and the other one that is a good friend of Trump who's helped him out with this campaign and is connected to some other powerful political players. So I don't know that they are the best sources for these arguments. One other piece of the puzzle here I wanted to mention was that on the same day that these documents started dumping, 
the New York Post interviewed Jeff Ep- Jeffrey Epstein's brother, uh, Mark Epstein, and revealed – he said that uh, his brother – told him that if he revealed what he knew about both candidates in the 2016 election, the election would have to be canceled. Of course, who were both candidates? Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. So that was kind of curious. Of course, you know, if you like Trump, you ignore that, I guess. But And you could say, oh, come on, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's brother is not a great source. He's not very credible. Yeah, that might be fair. Maybe there's some other bigger picture. But hey, it's, it's data. You take, take it for what you want. Now we're going to get into some of the more salacious claims here. These next couple of claims, I want to make clear, they have been retracted by the person who made them. And we're going to talk about why. We're almost done here. we got four more tabs left. Epstein had sex tapes of Prince Andrew and Bill Clinton, witnesses, witness claimed. Unsealed documents show defense team used Sarah Ransom's claims, which were later retracted. Now, here's another headline right here. We can see Epstein accuser claims pedophile had sex tapes of Trump, Clinton, Prince Andrew, and Richard Branson and new documents. Again, these claims were made by uh, Epstein accuser who uh, appears to have been, you know, we know for sure she was involved. We have pictures and stuff like that. She definitely knew them. So she didn't totally make this up. But in the past, she had made these claims. She had sent some emails to a New York Post columnist, Maureen Callahan. And now, again, this is not new information. This was all known in the past. It's just kind of being brought up again because it was listed in the the court documents where she claimed that she had copies of these tapes you know because again we know that epstein was recording at his mansion and on the island and other places in his planes now the uh sarah ransom claimed told the journalist she said she confided in me excuse me this is maureen callahan the journalist saying she confided in me about her casual friendship with trump mr trump definitely seemed to have a thing for her oh this is sarah ransom excuse me and she told me how he kept going on about how he liked her pert nipples. Ransom wrote about her friend in one email. I also know she had sexual relationship with Trump at Jeffrey Epstein's New York mansion on several occasions. Now, she walked back these claims later in an October 2016 email where she said, I would like to retract everything I've said to you and walk away from this. Now, this is important, though. Let's let's. What did she say? It's because she said only bad things and pain for my family will come from going public. So... Yes, these statements have been retracted, but I don't know if that means they're not true. You know, I mean, there's a difference between somebody saying, hey, I retract my statements and saying that's not true. It could be she got cold feet. Could be that she was threatened. I mean, we're talking about Prince Andrew, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Sir Richard Branson, very wealthy people with a lot of connections. If she was making these claims and the word got out or somebody told somebody, Perhaps she was she was scared. I mean, is that that hard for people to to really fathom that somebody might have had some information like that and ready to come out and speak and share about it and then gets cold feet, gets scared and decides to back off? I think it's possible. Now, of course, she has been interviewed since, you know, she's really kind of gone more private recently, but she has interviewed about this and people basically say, like, she just retracted the whole thing. I don't think that that means she didn't mean what she said. But it is true she retracted the claims. But I, th- this has probably been the most explosive stuff here is that rehashing of her statements claiming that there are sex tapes with Prince Andrew, Bill Clinton, that Bill Clinton's in them, and Trump is in them as well. And uh, that's all I'll say about that because, again, we can't, we can't prove any of this. And that's sort of the problem with the whole situation here is that we can't prove any of this information. We can't we – can't, we're not always we're ever going to be able to uh, – 100% say this happened or this didn't happen. We have to either trust the victims, the alleged victims, 
or trust the people who say, no, I didn't do anything, you know, because Bill Clinton says he has nothing to do with that. You can trust Bill Clinton or you can trust uh, one of the alleged victims. It's not going to go to court. They've already gotten rid of all the evidence for as far as we can tell. I'll show you guys the, the articles one more time on screen. Epstein accuser claims pedophile had sex tapes of Trump, Clinton, Prince Andrew and Richard Branson. So we're not going to get the hard evidence that you might be looking for. So we we have to look at all the, the available evidence or at least the claims because really there isn't any evidence to back it up. We know that Epstein had tapes. We know bits and pieces. We see the connections to intelligence. Why is nobody out there asking Alexander Acosta why he testified in front of Congress that Epstein was connected to intelligence and then nobody ever follows up with another question? Like That's insane. And think about that as you're preparing for the U.S. election coming up, that we have these pedophiles and, and these positions and that they're connected to intelligence and they want you to go vote like it matters. That's why to me it's like the whole thing's a sham. Now, one other thing I want to say for those who might have trouble accepting that Trump might not be who you think. I posted this recently. Are Trump supporters still not aware that Trump was bailed out by a Rothschild banker in the 1990s? Wilbur Ross was Wilbur Ross is the man. He was a Rothschild banker and he bailed him out in the 1990s. He was later rewarded with a position in Trump's cabinet as the Commerce Secretary. And there's, you know, this is mainstream news, LA Times and others. This is widely known. So I think that's important to factor in. One other point I'll make here, guys, you know about Epstein. You've heard all about Epstein, but have you heard about the CIA linked cult? You think we got Epstein evidence in Epstein? We got even even more concrete, hard evidence when it comes to the Finders case. And I it was the first person in 30 years to investigate this, to go interview members of the Finders. Two times, the, one of the founding members, Robert Terrell, he's in the documentary. And then I released another interview after this documentary came out in 2019. This is an hour-long documentary that I encourage you to watch. If you haven't seen it before, it's called Who Will Find What the Finders Hide? I did all the research, the interviews. I narrate it. And this is one of our productions. This is what we can do as independent media. And this proves conclusively that the CIA was connected to the Finders cult, that the FBI and then the FCI, the Foreign Counterintelligence Agency, covered it up. This is in the documents. And the crazy thing is after my documentary came out in 2019, after that, the FBI started to release documents, dumps similar to Epstein in the Finders case. They released, I think, four of them and hundreds and hundreds of pages. This is all on my web website. You can find this. I spent hours going through every single one. And we had, even, even after my documentary, the things I was reporting on were even more confirmed. I mean, we have literally the report of one of the top level uh, law enforcement officers investigating clearly saying that this group claims they're going to break up, but based on our intelligence, they're going to split apart, regroup, rename themselves. And we believe they're connected intelligence. I mean, the evidence is there for those of you who want to actually uh, dig in deeper into this topic. Again, look up my Utah ritual abuse reporting. You can find that on our website. Look up the finders cult. If you are unfamiliar with that, I encourage you to dig into that. And again, my website, theconsciousresistance.com, go to the Epstein Network page. You can see the Epstein documentary. You can see my interviews with Whitney Webb and others, my reporting on Jean-Luc Bernal over the years, Maxwell, uh, Dershowitz. I mean, I've been on this since 2017, early 2017. Others have been around before me, but I, you know, I went there and I interviewed, there's the interview with Bradley Edwards right there. You can see that's the one that everybody's using that's getting clipped up and, and reported. And a lot of these places, they're, they're leaving out the important context as I was sharing with you guys. But I encourage you to dive in. But also to recognize that Epstein is just one piece of the puzzle. There's much bigger things as well going on. This is not just Epstein. In fact, the, the sick truth is that this activity is more than likely continuing right now under some with some other 
person playing the role of Epstein on some other part of the world or some other island where we're not aware of. And it is a sad fact of the world that we are currently living in, that there are sick, twisted people like this in positions of power who are doing these things. And they're doing it for um, because they're twisted, they're sick, but there's also a psycho-spiritual element here. This is a spiritual battle that we are in, my friends, and I hope more and more of you understand that because that's what this is really going to come down to. Uh, this is an attack on humanity. It's an attack on the children. It's an attack on the youth. It's an, and it creates a cycle of more people who abuse and abuse and hurt other people. And we have to find a way to put an end to this. At the end of the day, though, my friends, like I said a few moments ago, recognize that if we're at this point where you have powerful people in politics, religion, uh, media, celebrity culture who are involved in these different things. And I'm not saying everybody, look, I don't buy the QAnon crap. I stick with the facts and the evidence. And we already know enough with that. If that's the case, then how can we believe that going and voting is going to make a difference? If it's that deep, if it's that entrenched, as it really is. And if you're new to this, go to thepyramidofpower.net, thepyramidofpower.net. I'll show you real quick. This is my, my documentary series, which is a 17-part documentary series. We are on chapter 14 coming very soon. And uh, it, it answers the question of who runs the world, what organization, what individuals attempt to rule our world. We've released... 13 episodes so far for free and seasons of four episodes. Go check that out. If you're new to this, look into the education system, the media, uh, big tech, big wireless, the food system. There's so much here, and it's all got sources, transcripts with the facts and the data. I don't speak about things I can't prove because the truth is already scary enough. I encourage you guys to dive in deeper down the rabbit hole. But most importantly, let's focus on solutions. Solutions is what really matters right now. And more than ever, we need solutions. So if you're looking for solutions, guys, I want to invite you to check out thegreaterreset.org. Next week, January 17th to the 21st, it's going to stream for free online all over the world. I will be here in Morelia, Mexico, with hundreds of freedom-loving people from around the world. Next week, the Davos crowd's going to meet the World Economic Forum. They're going to meet in Switzerland and talk about rebuilding trust. And Klaus Schwab's going to try to get your attention Ignore them. Instead, tune in for free online. If you can't make it to Mexico, five days of solutions-focused talks. We're going to talk about mental, physical, spiritual health. We're going to talk about permaculture, growing food, building parallel systems, getting off big tech, decentralized technology, homesteading, uh, building communities, intentional communities, eco-villages. This is the solution. This is what we call the greater reset or the people's reset. So if you're sick of just focusing on the problems, yes, the Epsteins of the world are going on. And yes, that stuff's happening. And as a journalist, I will keep working to expose it. But at the same time, we need to really focus on the solutions. We need to focus on what can we actually do for ourselves? How can we empower ourselves? And that's what matters. So next week, check it out at thegreaterreset.org, thegreaterreset.org. All you got to do is sign up for our email list. And on that day, we will go live starting next Wednesday through Sunday. It's going to be 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day with a break for lunch. You can find the schedule on there. You, we have more than 45 presenters. And if you're coming in person, there's going to be concerts, eco-village networking. There's going to be uh, parties and potlucks and workshops and so much great stuff happening. I, I guarantee if you tune in, you will enjoy yourself. Check it out, thegreaterreset.org. Sign up for our email list. Come out in person if you can. Let's focus on solutions. That's what I'm focused on for 2024 and for the in, you know the coming future. Thank you guys for being with me tonight. I really do appreciate you. And as always, remember, you are powerful, you are beautiful, and you are free. Peace.